Section twenty five of Guy Mannering. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Guy Mannering or the Astrologer by Sir Walter Scott. Volume one, chapter twenty two. Jog on, jog on the footpath way and merrily bend the style a merry heart goes all the day a sad one tires in a mile a winter's tale let the reader conceive to himself a clear frosty november morning the scene an open heath having for the background that huge chain of mountains in which skiddaw and saddleback are preeminent let him look along that blind road by which i mean the track so slightly marked by the passenger's footsteps that it can but be traced by a slight shade of verdure from the darker heath around it and being only visible to the eye when at some distance ceases to be distinguished while the foot is actually treading it along this faintly traced path advances the object of our present narrative his firm step his erect and free carriage having a military air which corresponds well with his well-proportioned limbs and stature of six feet high his dress is so plain and simple that it indicates nothing as to rank it may be that of a gentleman who travels in this manner for his pleasure or of an inferior person of whom it is the proper and usual garb nothing can be on a more reduced scale than his travelling equipment a volume of shakespeare in each pocket a small bundle with a change of linen slung across his shoulders an oaken cudgel in his hand complete our pedestrian's accommodations and in this equipage we present him to our readers brown had parted that morning from his friend dudley and begun his solitary walk towards scotland the first two or three miles were rather melancholy from want of the society to which he had of late been accustomed but this unusual mood of mind soon gave way to the influence of his natural good spirits excited by the exercise and the bracing effects of the frosty air he whistled as he went along not from want of thought but to give vent to those buoyant feelings which he had no other mode of expressing for each peasant whom he chanced to meet he had a kindly greeting or a good-humoured jest the hardy cumbrians grinned as they passed and said that's a kind heart god bless em and the market-girl looked more than once over her shoulder at the athletic form which corresponded so well with the frank and blithe address of the stranger a rough terrier dog his constant companion who rivalled his master in glee scampered at large in a thousand wheels round the heath and came back to jump up on him and assure him that he participated in the pleasure of the journey dr johnson thought life had few things better than the excitation produced by being whirled rapidly along in a post-chase but he who has in youth experienced the confident and independent feeling 
of a stout pedestrian in an interesting country and during fine weather will hold the taste of the great moralist cheap in comparison part of brown's view in choosing that unusual track which leads through the eastern wilds of cumberland into scotland had been a desire to view the remains of the celebrated roman wall which are more visible in that direction than in any other part of its extent his education had been imperfect and desultory but neither the busy scenes in which he had been engaged nor the pleasures of youth nor the precarious state of his own circumstances had diverted him from the task of mental improvement and this then is the roman wall he said scrambling up to a height which commanded the course of that celebrated work of antiquity what a people whose labours even at this extremity of their empire comprehended such space and were executed upon a scale of such grandeur in future ages when the science of war shall have changed how few traces will exist of the labours of vaban and cohorn while this wonderful people's remains will even then continue to interest and astonish posterity their fortifications their aqueducts their theatres their fountains all their public works bear the grave solid and majestic character of their language while our modern labours like our modern tongues seem but constructed out of their fragments having thus moralized he remembered that he was hungry and pursued his walk to a small public-house at which he proposed to get some refreshment the alehouse for it was no better was situated in the bottom of a little dell through which trilled a small rivulet it was shaded by a large ash-tree against which the clay-built shed that served the purpose of a stable was erected and upon which it seemed partly to recline in this shed stood a saddled horse employed in eating his corn the cottages in this part of cumberland partake of the rudeness which characterizes those of scotland the outside of the house promised little for the interior notwithstanding the vaunt of a sign where a tankard of ale voluntarily decanted itself into a tumbler and a hieroglyphical scrawl below attempted to express a promise of good entertainment for man and horse brown was no fastidious traveller he stopped and entered the cabaret the first object which caught his eye in the kitchen was a tall stout country-looking man in a large jockey greatcoat the owner of the horse which stood in the shed who was busy discussing huge slices of cold boiled beef and casting from time to time an eye through the window to see how his steed sped with his provender a large tankard of ale flanked his plate of victuals to which he applied himself by intervals the good woman of the house was employed in baking the fire as is usual in that country was on a stone hearth in the midst of an immensely large chimney which had two seats extended beneath the vent on one of these sat a remarkably tall woman in a red cloak and slouched bonnet having the appearance of a tinker or beggar 
she was busily engaged with a short black tobacco-pipe at the request of brown for some food the landlady wiped with her mealy apron one corner of the deal-table placed a wooden trencher and knife and fork before the traveller pointed to the round of beef recommended mr dinmont's good example and finally filled a brown pitcher with her home brood brown lost no time in doing ample credit to both for a while his opposite neighbour and he were too busy to take much notice of each other except by a good-humoured nod as each in turn raised the tankard to his head at length when our pedestrian began to supply the wants of little wasp the scotch store-farmer for such was mr dinmont found himself at leisure to enter into conversation a bonny terrier that sir and a fell shield at the vermin i warrant him that is if he's been well entered for it a lies in that really sir said brown his education has been somewhat neglected and his chief property is being a pleasant companion ay sir that's a pity begging your pardon it's a great pity that beast or body education should i be minded i have six terriers at home for by to a couple of slow-hounds five grues and a wheen other dogs there's old pepper and old mustard and young pepper and young mustard and little pepper and little mustard i had em irregularly entered first with rottens then with stots or weasels and then with the tods and brocks and now they fear nothing that ever came with a hairy skin on it i have no doubt sir they are thoroughbred but to have so many dogs you seem to have a very limited variety of names for them oh that's a fancy of my own to mark the breed sir the duke himself has sent as far as charlie's hope to get one of dandy dinmont's pepper and mustard terriers lord man he sent tam hudson the keeper and sicken a day as we had with the fornarts and the tods and sicken a blithe gaydown as we had again even faith that was a night i suppose game is very plenty with you plenty man i believe there's more hares than sheep on my farm and for the moorfowl or the greyfowl they lie as thick as dews in a docket did ye ever shoot a black cock man really i had never even the pleasure to see one except in the museum at keswick there now i could guess that by your southland tongue it's very odd of these english folk that come here how few of them has seen a black cock i'll tell you what ye seem to be an honest lad and if you'll call on me on dandy dinmont at charlie's hope ye shall see a black cock and shoot a black cock and eat a black cock too man why the proof of the matter is the eating to be sure sir and i shall be happy if i can find time to accept your invitation time man what ails ye to go home with me the now how do ye travel on foot sir and if that handsome pony be yours i should find it impossible to keep up with you no unless ye can walk up to fourteen mile an hour but ye can come over the night as far as rickerton where there is a public or if ye like to stop at jockey greaves at the hooch they would be blithe to see ye
and i am just going to stop and drink a dram at the door with him and i would tell him you're comin up or stay good wife could ye lend this gentleman the goodman's galloway and i'll send it over the waste in the mornin with the callant the galloway was turned out upon the fell and was swear to catch a wee a wee there's no help for it but come up the morn at any rate and now good wife i must ride to get to the little or it be dark for your waste has but a kittle character ye ken yourself how fie mr dinmont that's no like you to give the country an ill name i wot there has been no stirred in the waste since sawney cullock the travelling merchant that raleigh overdees and jock penny suffered for at carlisle twa years since there's no one in bewcastle that would do the like o that now we be a true folk now ah tib that will be when the deal's blind and his evens no sair yet but hear ye good wife i have been through most fac a galloway and dumfrieshire and i have been round by carlisle and i was at the stanchy bank fair the day and i would like ill to be ruppet so near home so i'll take the gate had ye been in dumfries and galloway said the old dame who sat smoking by the fireside and who had not yet spoken a word troth have i good wife and a weary round i've had of it then ye'll maybe ken a place they call ellangowan ellangowan that was mr bertram's i ken the place well enough the laird died about a fortnight since as i heard died said the old woman dropping her pipe and rising and coming forward upon the floor died are you sure of that troth am i said dinmont for it made na smart noise in the countryside he died just at the roop of the stocking and furniture it stopped the roop and money folk were disappointed they said he was the last of an old family too and many were sorry for good bloods scarcer in scotland than it has been dead replied the old woman whom our readers have already recognized as their acquaintance meg merrilies dead that quits a scores and did ye say he died without an heir ay did he good wife and the estates selled by the same token for they said they couldna have selled it if there had been an heir male selled it echoed the gypsy with something like a scream and what durst buy ellangowan that was not of bertram's blood and what could tell whether the bonny knavebairn may not come back to claim his own what durst buy the estate and the castle of ellangowan troth good wife just one of their rider shields that buys a thing they call him glossin i think glossin gibby glossin that i have carried in my creels a hundred times for his mother wasna muckle better than myself he to presume to buy the barony of ellangowan good be with us it is an awful world i wish him ill but no sick a downfall as of that neither was me was me to think of it she remained a moment silent but still opposing with her hand the farmer's retreat who betwixt every question was about to turn his back 
but good-humouredly stopped on observing the deep interest his answers appeared to excite it will be seen and heard of earth and sea will not hold their peace longer can ye say if the same man be now the sheriff of the county that has been so for some years past no he got some other berth in edinburgh they say but good day good wife i mun ride she followed him to his horse and while he drew the girths of his saddle adjusted the wallace and put on the bridle still plied him with questions concerning mr bertram's death and the fate of his daughter on which however she could obtain little information from the honest farmer did ye ever see a place they call durnclaw about a mile from the place of ellangowan i wot will have i good wife a wild-looking den it is with a whin old waz of shillings yonder i saw it when i goed over the ground with one that wanted to take the farm it was a blithe bit once said mag speaking to herself did ye notice if there was an old saw tree that's mossed blown down but yet its roots are in the earth and it hangs over the bit burn money a day have i wrought my stocking and sat on my sunkey under that saw how deals with the wife with her saws and her sunkies and ellangowans god's sake woman let me away there's sixpence to ye to buy half a muchkin instead of clavering about the old world stories thanks to ye good man and now have ye answered all my questions and never speared wherefore i ask them i'll give you a bit canny advice and ye mauna spear what for neither tib mumps will be out with the stirrup dram in a gliffing she asked ye whether ye gang over willie's bra or through Consco-thwart moss tell her only one ye like but be sure speaking low and emphatically to take the one ye dinna tell her the farmer laughed and promised and the gypsy retreated will ye take her advice said brown who had been an attentive listener to this conversation that will i know the randy queen na i had far rather tib mumps kent which way i was goin than her though tib's no muckle to lippen to neither and i would advise ye on no account to stay in the house a night in a moment after tib the landlady appeared with her stirrup-cup which was taken off she then as meg had predicted inquired whether he went the hill or the moss-road he answered the latter and having bid brown good-bye and again told him he depended on seeing him at charlie's hope the morn at latest he rode off at a round pace End of volume one, chapter twenty two